What's good, everybody? It's your girl, Chronicles of She, here with a brand new episode. First off, welcome to the show. And tonight's topic, and let's talk about a guest, is none other than Miss Wynn Charles. Now, last week, I had the pleasure of being on Wynn's show and being a guest to talk about the show, my backstory with my disability, and we also got on the topic of women's empowerment. Tonight, we're going to hear all about Wynn and about her show. Now, Ask Wynn is a great podcast, and she's going to be talking about it tonight with all of us. And I can't wait for you guys to hear all that she has to say. And we got on some really good topics as far as what I just said about women's empowerment, disability, and she's completely funny. Now, I'm going to tell you something about Wynn. Born with cerebral palsy, Wynn Charles has defined the odds by becoming an author. Her memoir, I Win, is an amazing story of how she remembers her life through the years of having a condition called CP. As a competitor in the Kona Ironman Triathlon, CEO of her own jewelry design company and motivational speaker, Wynn Charles truly is an inspiration to many. Today, Wynn Charles tours the country speaking to schools and institutions to raise awareness about cerebral palsy and living a full life no matter what holds you back. She is also an advocate of veteran across the world. Show your support. Sign up for Wynn Charles newsletter to stay updated on news releases and appearances. You guys are going to hear all about it right now. Everybody, please welcome the one and only, the amazing, inspirational, and downright awesome, fabulous, and funny, Win Charles. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the Chronicles of She. I'm so glad to have you on. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Well, I just got home from wolf diving, so I'm a little bit sore, but other than that, I'm doing well. <laughs> That's great. Mm, what was that like? <clears throat> Have you, well, I guess you haven't, um, done rock climbing? Well, I, mm, I have done rock climbing as a kid. Yeah, as a, as a kid, well, just just take that to the adult version. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Just take that wall to the adult version of Buck Diamond. Mm. Now, were you on like a real rock wall? Like. Well, what do you consider a real rock wall? Um, real rock wall, probably in the woods, with ropes. They call that, they call that outdoor rock climbing. They call mm. that outdoor rock climbing, but, um, no, but I have done, not today, not today, but I have done that. I did that over a year ago, but, mm. um, and I'll get back to that point, but <laughs> you, um, Kids and adults typically start um, off uh, as um, indoor. You can't go. You can't go um, automatically teaching yourself how to rock climb. Oh, okay. There's no way. There's hmm. no way. Able-bodied or disabled, and that's a huge misconception. There's a huge misconception right there that um, 
people think on people think on YouTube that they'll just um, watch a couple quick videos and not get lessons and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yes mm. no 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 you no, gotta have, to have not. Fun. no 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 yeah <laughs> mm. I can see a couple people trying to do that. Like, yeah, I'll just learn from YouTube. It's like, no, yeah, you, get a, no. you get a teacher. You get a teacher in real life, and they'll show you how to do it. Oh, yep, yep, yep. But anyway, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so glad to have you. Now, you're a podcaster, a jewelry designer, and a motivational speaker. Tell me, what is that like? Well, the pod... I'll start with the podcasting end of it. The podcasting end of it is it always gets very interesting Taylor, because um, people people underestimate people with disabilities and I um, I'm here to prove them wrong mm-hmm. and you should go listen to us win and tell us by the way guys and yep. so yeah we're here to prove them wrong about what we can do versus what we can't do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the artwork I gave up to become a writer, I'll be focusing on that again once I, as my hobby is, one of my hobbies, once I get my journalism degree. Mm. Now, I was very, uh, when I found out that you did jewelry, I was very surprised because my I myself used to be a jewelry designer. I used to make my own things like when I was in school. I don't do that anymore, but hope to hope to like get back into it. But what made you want to like get into jewelry design, but you consider it as a hobby now? I, what do you like about um, it? I had, well, the process I do is I taught myself how to do digital artwork and then I would turn my artwork into jewelry. Wow. On and all these um, sites like designer.com you can put any photo on anything now. Mm. Mine just happened to be jewelry and keychains and (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Mm. Did you have a name for it? I didn't. I did not. I um, I had a name for the company, but I had. I did not have a name for the actual line of joy. Oh, okay. But what did you? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I had a name for my art company at the time, which people can still go find online if they just type in my name and my phone name and then art next to it. It will pop up on Google. Okay. Mm. And what's the name? Oh, yeah. You, no, no, they're going to look up your name. Excuse me. Yep. Look up Wynn Charles and you will find her jewelry company. And or or Aspen Bows and Lots was the name I used. 
Yeah. Aspen, S-P-E-N, Bose, Odds, A-L-T-S. Okay. Y'all heard that, Aspen? Bose, Odds, A-L-T-S. A-R-T-S. Good. Yeah. Now, you're also a motivational speaker. When did you start that? I started that in 2010 along with the podcast because I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. So I I transferred artwork for writing and motivational speaking. Mm. Now, when you did that, sometimes with us, it can be difficult to like step outside of your comfort zone. Was it easy or was it hard? Was it hard transferring from artist to writer. Yes. It was easy. It was easy because I knew that it was the I knew that it was the time for me to do it and I'll be um staying in the career field of journalism. Good. Very good. And tell me about your book, I Win. When did you write it, and and what are the what are the comments that you've gotten about it? I um like people actually um call it an uh, inspirational tell-all, although it's not a tell-all; it's a memoir. But um, <laughs> it it's all about my life with Sam Paulson. I should do updated version of one of these days but right now I don't have time to do a updated version but um, it's all about my life growing up with cerebral palsy mm. and with your cerebral palsy can you tell us a little bit about that sure um, cerebral palsy is a lack of oxygen enjoy at birth no, I can't pass it on to my kids if I choose to have kids. My kids could be able-bodied. Um, if I choose to have kids, they couldn't be able-bodied. No cerebral palsy not a genetic disease. Mm. But um, cerebral palsy is just a lack of oxygen at birth. Mm. Lack of oxygen at birth. And once the baby is born, do they see the effects or does it carry on until, but they don't, no, let me rephrase that. After the child is born, do they notice that the cerebral palsy or when the child gets into the toddler stage is when they see it? Because they I've always wondered that. They typically see it, um, they typically see it in the toddler age with me. I don't know how. I was very, very lucky. They, um, by the time I was in the toddler stage, my parents knew that I had cerebral palsy. They were trying every which way to, um, they were trying every which way to get me to speak, get me to walk, get me to eat, to get me, um, to do everything. And so I, because they um, see it in the t- 
Adelaide, I don't know how my doctor spotted it in the well. I don't know how I got lucky, and I was thinking about this the other day when you and I talked. I don't know how I got so lucky about um, them spotting it at when I was first born, when it's supposed to be spotted in the toddler ages. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. you were that the fact that you were diagnosed so early, it's like yes, and it yeah. it mm-hmm, it it saved your life, didn't it? Yeah, the mm. fact that I was diagnosed so early, it it saved my life, and um, I'm very very lucky because of that. Yes, very lucky, very lucky. Um, you actually just answered one of the questions that I was about to ask. What are the biggest misconceptions that people with CP get? Like, one, you said people get the misconception that it can be passed down if um, people with cerebral palsy have children. You covered that one. What's yeah. another? Um, that we are dumber than Mark of Mark. I'm sorry, what was that? What was we that? We are dumber than a box of blocks. Oh, No. Most people don't believe that people with disabilities, and I'm talking about disabilities in general, um, mm-hmm. can't get a college degree. I have a college degree. I'm working on my second college degree. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that is that is a big misconception. Especially, yes, in general, yeah. people automatically feel like when they hear the word cerebral palsy or autism, it's oh, they can't do anything. It's like no, we do things differently. We just do it outside of what you consider normal. Yeah, we so, do. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of people who, with disabilities, have gone on to live successful careers. Like Stephen Hawkins, didn't he have I cerebral mean, palsy? He had Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh, okay. No, Stephen Hawkins and Lou Gehrig's disease um, looks like cerebral palsy. But Mm. Lou Gehrig's disease is not um, cerebral palsy in the least. Oh, okay. I I just assumed because, like, yeah, I have heard of Stephen Hawkins before and he... He was disabled, and when I saw the wheelchair, I automatically felt like, oh, cerebral palsy. Nope. Nope. My bad. Lou Gehrig's disease. And, um, Lou Gehrig's disease. And I'm actually looking for someone, um, who is still living with Lou Gehrig's disease because I, um, I want to learn more about cerebral palsy, more about Lou Gehrig's disease, because um, Lou Gehrig's disease and cerebral palsy have so many similar characteristics that I want to learn the differences too. Mm-hmm. Yes, that would help very much so. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Now, what's another misconception that you get? Oh, another misconception that I get is that people will stare at me and 
people will um, really stare at me. Oh, mm-hmm. And uh, I had a person, um, and I hate to do racial profiling, but the Japanese tend to stare at Americans like we're downright idiots. I had a person do that to me today. I had a person sit there and watch what I was doing. And mm. not um, not even ask me what I was doing or not even ask my aide what I was doing. I don't know whether they thought it was fascinating or what. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope they thought it was fascinating and they were um, from Japan. I know that because but Japanese tend to stare at us with downright idiots. Right. And it's not also them, it's other people, especially when you get like the not so brightest um, crayon in the box that <laughs> yeah. will just come out and say anything and just like put, yeah, put really? their opinion yeah. on it. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah, oh, no. look yeah. at her legs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Didn't your mother ever teach you it's not polite to stare or point? Oh, no. Um, no, but people will still do it. People will, mm-hmm. well, and adults will still do it. And my um, my aides are getting to the point where they're like, "Oh my, oh my goodness, people are really like this." And it's like, yeah. So, and I thought, I thought the kids were bad enough. Now it's the adults. Yeah. Some adults have never really grown out of, like, their kid stage. Like, they gotta just be jerky about it. Yeah. Mm. Tell me about the first time when you found out you had CP. How did you feel? Uh, well, the first, uh, well, there was two times. I did not, um, and I admitted this on all episodes either. I did not find out my official, I found out that I had CP in seventh grade, but I did not find out my official, official diagnosis until I was in my 30s. Right. So, um, that made me feel a little bit scared because I knew I had, um, CP, I knew what the call letters were, but I didn't know ataxia spastic. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that just made me scared out of my wit. I mean, reading it up. I literally read it on a piece of paper in the grocery store parking lot, you guys. Mm. In a grocery store parking lot. And uh, because I had to take a psychology exam for something else that I mm-hmm. was doing and they got my medical records and... mm. Mm, mm, mm. When? Can you hear me? Can you hear me, Win? Alright, y'all. We'll be right back. We're going to take a short music break.
saying? We're back. We had a slight technical difficulty, but we back. Now, we were just on the question of how you found out. You found out in the grocery store parking lot? Yes. I found out. I Well, I originally found out that I had um, cerebral palsy in seventh grade. My mom um, drove me to school, and I don't know if she talked to my dad at the night before saying I'm driving away to school but I found out at the bottom of a driveway that I had cerebral palsy and then I found out my official diagnosis off a piece of paper in a grocery store parking lot mm. that that would that had to be a shock um did you ever like ask your parents why they did not tell you or did they just not they leave out specific details at all that, that's just I'm just that's just my my um my that's just a question that I have it's um no I did not I did not ask why they did not tell me I I did not ask that okay. I did not um ask why they did not tell me because it was so new they were scared. They were scared. They they were both down the way scared up until the day they they died, and they were scared to leave me alone. Oh, up in well, one well, my dad didn't uh, want to go back to the hospital because he was so scared to leave me alone. Uh, oh, I see. And so uh, they wanted to protect their child. The best they can, the best they could. Right, and that's understandable. And, no. Mm-hmm. and no, but at the same time, they should have let their child go just a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's difficult. That's difficult for any parent to go through, and especially when you're in like a fragile state. But look at you. I can I bet they're proud. Let's hope. Let's hope <laughs> because um this two thousand well not twenty twenty per se, but um two thousand nineteen um brought me to my knees and 2020 is raising me up again, but um, 2019 brought me to my knees. I'm also a um, emotional abuse survivor twice. Oh my goodness! And so, yeah. Oh my! Oh my! Oh my gosh! I- because Ooh. I, because all because I have cerebral palsy. Oh my! Mm. Can you can you dive a little bit more into that? Like, how did that start? Like, how did that happen? I can and I will. Um, and if you guys want the whole story, it's on. It's on Aswin and both the artwork of both Aswin and the artwork of CP on. My first emotional abuse case happened um, 
2008, 2009, mm. my employer emotionally abused me and then I didn't report because I wasn't um, strong enough to report it. Mm-hmm. The second time happened a month after my dad died. Was this person um, a, a friend, a boyfriend? The first time or the second time? Um, either time. Like, it, it can be from the, the first time to the first second time. time. It was my boss. The oh. second time, it was family. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. And so, and they thought everything was fine. What? Oh my. A boss? Like, what, what did he, what did he say? You're not doing uh, a boss. It happens all the time in the workplaces now. Right. Mm. Yes. A boss goes, you're not doing the high quality work. You're not. And needless to say, that was a couple weeks before the economic downturn. So I lost my job and then I lost my mom and got a job back 10 days after my mom died. And the second time, if um, if my adopted family wasn't around and I didn't have a witness with me, um, living with me at the time, it would have turned into physical abuse. Oh my goodness. It would have turned into physical abuse. I have not had contact with my family since then, but um, yeah. How did that start? How did the physical abuse, how did the emotional abuse start? How did the emotional abuse start with the family member? With the family member that did it, mm-hmm. they um, they closed the door to my room and started um, asking me all these questions and wouldn't let me speak and put me in the shower against my will and um, showed my stepsister my pubic hair and <gasps> that was that and yeah and they know. They know what they did. They um, they know what they did. They thought that was normal. No, absolutely not. No, oh my. No, and oh. my stepmom, my stepsister, myself, my witness, who was my aide, all had to be interviewed, and all our stories matched up. Mm-hmm. Were you afraid to press charges against them? I can't. I can't press charges because, and I won't, um, because they don't live here. Right. They don't live in the U.S. Oh, oh, this is another state. They, this is another foreign country. Oh. My... Mother grew up in the Bahamas. And mm. so my family that abused me um, lives in the Bahamas. 
They are sick. Yeah. 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 Um, um, wow, this, uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, I, I am very sorry that you've had to go, that you went through that. Mm. Speaking as someone who has suffered from emotional abuse as well, it, yeah, this really hits me close to home. Yeah. Um, yeah, when... Yeah. And uh, the witness... The person who witnessed it and my stepmom and stepsister are still supporting me and the witness and I are still friends. And so, yeah. And it shocked all of us to our car. And if I was smart enough and was wise enough, I would have said, I'm going to the bathroom. I, they, they would have let me go to the bathroom, I would have had, I would have been in the bathroom, I would have had the witness call 911. Right. But I wasn't um, smart enough to do that. I wasn't, um, I knew I was getting abused. I, um, if it wasn't, and this is the truth, if it wasn't for the help of a counselor, I would have not reported it. It would have still been under wraps. Mm-hmm. But um, the with the help of a counselor, she asked, and I talked about this on my podcast too. She asked, "Are you safe at home?" Knowing that I was at with adults, knowing, and I wasn't um, going to counseling for emotional abuse. I was going to counseling for my grief about my dad, and so and to help me figure out my next chapter. And so I um, said yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I, um, I said, yes, I feel safe at home, but this is what happened on June 23rd. The next thing I know, I'm getting a call from Adult Protective Services in Colorado. Yes, there is such a thing. People know about Child Protective Services, but they don't know about Adult Protective Services. Mm-hmm. So... In what happened once Adult Protective Services were called? Uh, they stepped in. They stepped in. Hi. Hi. Sorry about that. Had a little technical difficulty. Now, you said they stepped in, and what happened? They, um, we all got professionally interviewed, and they 
said, um, well, this is what's happening, and um, they said, I don't preventative services suggested that I I don't contact my family, and I don't contact my abusers, certainly, and um, that's what I've been doing ever since. Good, good. Now, the first time, was it difficult not to talk to them? Because from experience, getting away from someone who is emotionally abusing you, it can be difficult, especially when you have a relationship, whether it's friendship or romantic relationship. Was it difficult? The first time I was emotionally abused by my boss. Mm -hmm. So that was the easiest and again, I don't talk to her. I, um, the family aspect was harder than, um, the, um, boss to calling relationship. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Mm. Now, what did you take away from what you have endured? What did I take away from what I had have endured? Well, yes. I have taken away from um, doing the right procedures, telling people to do the right um, procedures, and yeah. Wow. When I had to tell you, did anyone ever tell you you have a fiery spirit? Because I do. Well, yeah. I appreciate I appreciate that. Yeah. Because I do. You freaking rock, man. Well, mm. you got to deal with what you got to deal with. Yeah. Now, if you could choose three words to describe yourself, what would they be and why? Kind compassionate and um, never giving up Mm. and why I would choose kind is people that know me personally know me know that I am well now I'm very protective of my step family and I would literally give the shirt off my back to a stranger. And mm-hmm. the reason why I choose compassionate is because I listen to other people's problems and other people's issues. And yeah, and I let them um, come out of their shelves in ways that they never thought. Right. And never giving up, never giving up, never giving up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, those three words describe you perfectly. All right, we got a couple more questions and then we gonna wrap up. Now, with these titles that you have, you're a podcaster, jewelry designer, motivational speaker, and author, does it get difficult juggling all of these titles and... What was the other one? On our episode, you told me you are a teacher. What do you teach? I teach, um, well, I taught 
I taught preschool for 11 years, and then I taught music, and now I'm um, retiring in May to focus on not only me, but my journalism degree as well. Awesome. And with being a podcaster, a jewelry designer, a motivational speaker, and soon to become a journalist, does it get difficult juggling all of these titles? No. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't because what um, what ends up happening is um, my art, when it sells, it um, makes me income. My books, when it's when they sell and I produce a new book, that makes me income. That will make me income until mm-hmm. the day I die. So, and the podcaster, I'm just doing it as part of my work in journalism. Right. Okay. When today, when I was, before I came on, I was thinking about the show and what we were going to talk about and I looked over all the things that you've done and what we talked about I feel like as women and as women with disabilities especially with the titles that we hold with being podcaster or a designer or motivational speaker or journalism we're not meant to be just one thing in life because we have a range of gifts yeah. it's how we present it to the world and with those gifts no one can tell us anything about ourselves because we know what we are capable of. It's just yep. up to them to see it for themselves. You can't really put a label on who we are until you have walked in our shoes. So that was where my mind was at today when I was going to talk to you. Because really, you are an inspiration when, and I have nothing but great respect for you. You are truly amazing. Well, thank you for saying that. You're welcome. And you were actually the first person that I've that that has invited me on to a show to discuss my own show. And that was you have no idea how yeah. appreciative I am of that. And for that, you I will I will always be a fan and I'm always gonna support you down to the last. And well, thank you. You're welcome. And everybody, if you wanna listen to Win, you can catch her on Spotify. Or Apple Music, Apple Podcast. You said Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast. I'm all the. I'm on all over the um, podcasting space and ask when. A S K W I N. You can catch her all the time on all those social media platforms. You can follow her on Instagram and. You can also catch her in the future doing her journalism. Trust me, y'all. This is a woman that you have to get to know. Also, everybody, we got some... I got... Well, if you haven't heard the first episode, I am moving my podcast to two new networks on BDE Music Network, where I'm going to be doing profiling on this on hip-hop music and rap and what's going on in the news so you can catch me there we're still gonna be here on anchor but i'm also moving my episodes there so bringing that up there if you want to listen and if you guys are interested in being guests on the show please email me your bio at the chronicles of she series at gmail.com and i'm also open for donations to the show you can 
you can come in on my cash app and drop a little something if you want to and also this is your guys's home and like i said no topic is off limits on this channel we're an open book all day every day we either yep. sipping we either sipping tea or we sipping on hennessy we sipping on lemonade whatever yep that's how and, it's going to be and the same thing with uh, ask when um no subject is off topics even though it's a family friendly show I'll um, just try and do my best to um, monitor the family friendly aspects but no subject is off topics mm-hmm. and what do you want the world to know about you when I want the world to know that my new tagline is the voice for the voiceless and yeah I like that for the voiceless you remember that y'all for the voiceless all yep. right well thank you so much Wim, for coming on it's been an absolute you're welcome. pleasure you're welcome thank mm-hmm. you no problem thank you. I can't wait to have you back on soon and y'all have a great 2020 and remember make it your best because it's brand new year and we got to get down to it thanks see you guys bye peace out